0: Okay, so I want to talk about eating disorder recovery and how it is a very gray, messy area to be in, in life. I'm inspired to talk about this today because Glennon Doyle just came out with a new episode um, recently where she is talking about her new diagnosis of anorexia. And I've been listening to her podcast since day one. I have been following her journey on Instagram and the podcast. And um, I gotta be honest, I wasn't that surprised when I started listening to the episode and learning that she was diagnosed with anorexia. It was kind of obvious to me, Um, and her reaction and... Her wife and her sister's reaction were all pretty shocked, to be honest. And they are very, very vulnerable on their podcast. So I am not here to put anybody down. I just want to kind of reflect a little bit and talk about yes, eating disorder recovery is. <laughs> is a messy process. It is a messy, middle, gray area process that is ongoing. It is a lifelong commitment to be in eating disorder recovery. And I don't think that is talked about enough in the eating disorder recovery space. What I've noticed in the eating disorder recovery space, both online and mainly on Instagram, I don't use TikTok, but what I've noticed is that people are very willing to talk about their eating disorder recovery from a past tense, from a, I used to be, you know, I used to have an eating disorder, or I used to do these things, and now I'm recovered. What we don't get enough of on Instagram, and I'm assuming TikTok, is the gray area, the messy middle, the the really, really confusing part of eating disorder recovery, which is the process of taking 10 steps forward, five steps back, and the, the process of trying to rewire and reprogram the brain of the mentality of the eating disorder. And so eating disorders and addiction are very very similar. They're under the same umbrella, but eating disorder eating disorders um, are classified as a mental disorder. And what I will say is that with my you know seventeen plus year history of eating disorders, and I'll be honest, every kind of eating disorder: anorexia, bulimia, bulimia binge eating. Um, orthorexia. I have OCD. so I, And I'm not claiming that I am fully recovered. And that's why I wanted to come on here and, and make a little episode because that is something that people really fail to realize is that people in the eating disorder recovery space, I don't think anyone is fully recovered because let's face it, you can't burn away brain cells. You can't burn away memories. You can't burn away um, the, the memory of you having an eating disorder. You can't do that. Um, eating disorders are an addiction to the behaviors. So I will say that yes, eating disorders and addiction can be treated in a very similar way. That's why going to support groups and working a you know, a step program like Alcoholics Anonymous or Dharma Recovery step programs work for people who are dealing with addiction. Um, but eating disorders take longer to recover from. And I know that some people will disagree with me. I don't think anyone is truly fully recovered. Yes, I think people can not be engaging with their eating disorder and not be engaging with the behaviors of the eating disorder, but they still have an eating disorder. They are just not um, in the eating disorder right now. And this is exactly how addicts talk. This is how alcoholics talk. Even if an alcoholic says, I haven't touched alcohol in 30 years, they are still saying they're an alcoholic and they they work the program or they work the steps or they're they're in recovery, right? The alcoholic is in recovery for the rest of their life. So why why does the eating disorder recovery space not um not take on some of this this process work and this kind of format that alcoholics anonymous takes where you know, you're an alcoholic in recovery for the rest of your life. It's a long life process. It's a long life journey. Um, so, the, you know, alcoholics are always going to say, I'm in recovery. But for some reason, people who are recovering from an eating disorder, it's like that the, the messy middle is not allowed. And it's it's got so much shame, so much guilt, so much... Um, hiding and I think that the fact that Glennon Doyle is coming out and saying that she was you know pretty much fully in her eating disorder for the last year but just didn't say anything and now she's sharing that she has anorexia I mean I think it's huge and I think her platform is is on such a huge scale of you know her podcast is one of the most um, famous podcasts in the history of podcasts. Um, so the fact that she's coming out and being vulnerable and talking about the messy middle and talking about recovery not from a past tense, I think it's really important and that's, you know, why I'm here feeling like it's time to talk about this kind of stuff because I am not fully recovered and I never claimed to be. Um, even, so recently I was on Robert Sykes podcast, on the Keto Savage podcast, and I found it to be very interesting that in the show notes and the way that he detailed the the episode, he basically said, you know, how did, how did she, how did Gab Cohen re- recover from her disordered eating, and it's just the way that he kind of explained everything in the show notes and in the intro of his podcast, he made it seem like Gab Cohen recovered from her eating disorder and her, her disordered eating and she's sharing how she did it, you know, and it's like that, that's a selling point. And that is how people market their podcasts. And that is how people market their, you know, Instagram reels. But and it's it's almost easier to sell a story from a past tense because people love to hear and get the get the information. Okay, what did she do to recover from her, from her eating disorder? What did she do? What did she do? What did she do? Um, but guess what? I'm not fully recovered <laughs> at all, I, and I never will claim to be. And there's eating disorder professionals who will disagree with me and say, no, full recovery is possible. You just don't believe it. You just don't believe you can. And then there's other eating disorder recovery professionals who, who literally say, no, full recovery is not possible because you're always going to have the memory of having an eating disorder. So you are always going to have that mental muscle of having an eating disorder. It doesn't go away. So, um, when i When I did that interview on Robert Sykes' podcast, and then he he launched it and I saw that he was kind of promoting it as gab Cohen fully recovered person, you know, I reached out to one of my therapy therapy friends um, who is an eating disorder clinician. Um, And I, you know, I reached out to her and I said, look, I am really proud of myself for going on this podcast and talking about my eating disorder and, and being vulnerable about what has helped and, and my, my recovery process, but I'm not fully recovered. And I, and I was really kind of upset and shaken that he labeled me as fully recovered because it put this, this burden on me and it made me feel like, well, now I have to be fully recovered. And now, you know, everyone who follows me on Instagram is going to expect that I'm fully recovered. And that's, that's not the case. I'm not, I'm still in my eating disorder, but I am also in recovery. So I think this is the the part that people get really, um, they just want to put their blinders on and they don't want to admit that even through recovery. Yeah, sure. You could be 80% you know mentality and recovery, but you still have a good twenty percent that you're you're in your eating disorder. You're doing the restriction, or you're doing the binging and the purging, or you're doing the exercise, and um, and and that is, that comes with a lot of shame and guilt because you don't feel like you're allowed to do that. When that's not fair, because in the addiction realm. People are allowed to go around and say, oh, yep, I'm an addict. I'm always going to be an addict. I'm going to meetings and I'm doing my recovery and this and that. But it's like when somebody says, yeah, I'm in recovery from my eating disorder, but, you know, last week I binged and purged and I, you know, this week I'm starving myself. It's like, then you're like looked at as like, oh, no, you, you're still in your eating disorder. You, you're sick or, you know. Um, this also... Is a really touchy subject for me because I think there's a lot of people in the eating disorder space um, that is claiming they're fully recovered and they're not and obviously we know why it comes with a lot of shame and guilt but they're doing a lot of harm to people in the eating disorder recovery space who are really trying to recover um, you can tell when somebody's still in their eating disorder. I mean, I have spidey senses now, I can tell. And I was just having a conversation with one of my friends who's more so in like the carnivore um, space. And we were talking about how there's so many women, um, mainly in the carnivore space, who are, covering up their eating disorders with carnivore. And this is, you know, this bothers me really, it really, really does, because there's a lot of women in the carnivore space who are saying they're food addicts, they're sugar addicts, they can't be trusted around food. But have any of them gone to therapy for this? Have any of them actually gone to a therapist and talked about their emotions, their trauma, their eating disorders, or if they're not going to look at it that way, but they're they're claiming that they are food addicts, but they aren't um some of them do say that they, that they had eating disorders, but the way that they are going about their eating disorder recovery, which is a totally different side of the spectrum, is by going carnivore, sugar-free, flour-free, only eating beef butter, <laughs> beef and butter or, you know, steak and butter or beef, butter, and eggs, and um, it's an extreme. It's another extreme covering up an extreme of an eating disorder. So when I see women in the carnivore space who are losing weight, and they're becoming emaciated, and they look sick, and they are selling the fact that they are healthy because they're carnivore, because they're just not eating processed foods, or they're not eating sugar and carbs, look, that's fine. I don't want to eat sugar and I'm, I'm on a low carb diet because it makes me feel good, but if you're going to sit there and say, if, if, you know, if these women in the carnivore space are going to sit there and say that they are food addicts and that they cannot eat anything but beef butter and eggs and salt, for any other reason other than healing, like like an autoimmune issue or, you know, if they're only doing it because they want to lose weight, if they're only doing it because they don't want to deal with their emotions around food and body and what comes with um, the whole food and body conversation, because, I mean, I really... I'm really sitting here wondering and pondering, have any of these people in the carnivore space gone to therapy? And why on earth is no one saying anything about the clearly emaciated women who are in the carnivore space who are claiming to be healthy? I'm sorry emaciation and being extremely underweight is never going to be normal or healthy and it doesn't matter what diet you're on. Nobody is naturally emaciated. Emaciation and underweight bodies come from disordered habits with food, exercise, and all of the behaviors that come with eating disorders that lead a body into being underweight or emaciated. So Anyone in the carnivore space who is clearly, clearly sick, um, there's a few women in particular who I've had to unfollow because they are giving people medical advice on how to lose weight, on how to be keto, on how to be a ketovore or carnivore, and they look sick. They look like they need to be admitted into an anorexia facility. And I'm not saying this to bring anybody down or make fun of anyone. I have a history of anorexia. I was, I was put in t- into treatment for anorexia, you know, many years ago, and I am still struggling with my eating disorder today. There is absolutely no fucking way in hell that these women are just naturally emaciated, And completely sick looking. That is never going to be healthy. That is never going to be natural, no matter what diet you are on. Real quick, before I get deeper into this episode, I want to talk to you guys about my sponsor for this podcast, BetterHelp. You guys know how much I love therapy. I have been in therapy for several years, but I've been using BetterHelp for about three years. And I love my therapist, she's amazing. Uh, So I'm very happy that BetterHelp has, you know, sponsored this podcast. And out of all of my sponsors, I got to be real, BetterHelp is my favorite because I actually use them every day, every week. Um, I have a great relationship with just the experience and, you know, my therapist has helped me through so much the last couple years and BetterHelp is very, very easy. You don't have to do it. Um, you don't have to do it. You know, you don't have to go to a, a freaking office. You don't have to take a drive. You don't have to take an Uber or a Lyft. You can just do it from the privacy of your own home or wherever you're traveling. You can do it video. You can do. Um, Just an audio call if you're not comfortable doing video or you can do the messaging and you can also message your therapist whenever you need to There's also a journal feature, which I love because journaling and typing all of that stuff out of your head is so helpful Um, So join over two million people who are using BetterHelp. That is crazy two million people Um, it has helped me so much just having someone on your side and Having that outside perspective, who is not going to judge you. Um, they're not going to hold anything over your head. They don't know um, any anything, any secrets that you tell them. They're not going to ever hold that against you. And that's what I love about my therapist. I could tell her the worst things I've ever done, and she's not going to. To judge me. Um, she's been very helpful with everything that I've gone through with, you know, the relationship with my mom and healing and, and everything like that. And she does EMDR. So you can find a therapist who matches your personal needs, whether it's addiction, uh, substance abuse, trauma, eating disorders, relationship issues. You can find the perfect therapist and you can change the therapist as many times as you need. Uh, no charge, and it's super easy to, to navigate the app. So all you're going to do is go to betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount, and that will get you a nice discount on your first month of therapy. That's hel slash vibe. That's hel slash vibe for a 10% off discount your first month of online counseling. And I hope you do it because we all we all really need support. And if you haven't tried therapy yet, this is going to help you so much. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. When I look at people like Anthony Chaffee and, um, you know, Steak and Butter Gang and, you know, um, all these people on YouTube... Um, who are big proponents of carnivore, you know, doctors, doctor kilts, um, lots of people who are who are very smart doctors, and I'm not claiming that all of them have eating disorders, obviously, but the women who I have been seeing in in this space, um, they are so quick to say that they're food addicts, you know, Kelly Hogan and um, the carnivore doctor, and um, there's just so many people who are who are saying like blanket statement, I'm a food addict, and I you know, this is, so what they're basically doing is they are r- trying to recover from their eating disorder, which was binge eating, right? Because what is food addiction in in a behavioral sense in an eating disorder is binge eating. Well, there's a lot of shame around binge eating. Nobody wants to to be a binge eater because what comes with that? Weight gain in this fat phobic, you know, <laughs> diet culture, diet mentality, you know, world that we live in. So a lot of these women, okay, sure, maybe they have food addiction. Maybe they're just saying they have food addiction because... They don't want to binge eat anymore, and that rightfully so. So binge eating is not, um, it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel good physically, emotionally, mentally. But what these women aren't realizing is that they are just covering up one eating disorder that is binge eating disorder and recovering out of that or thinking they're recovering out of that with extreme restriction and doing uh, like a beef you know only diet or just meat and eggs look that is fine if 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 you feel good just eating um, a carnivore diet that's fine but don't say don't when they're starting to come out and say like this is the best way to eat like this is the only way to eat like anybody who doesn't eat this way how are you eating vegetables? How are you eating other things? How, how is everyone not seeing that, that being carnivore is the cure? You know, being carnivore is the only way to live your life. It's like, that is what is harming the eating disorder recovery community. And you know, the eating disorder recovery community is not just about the carnivore space. There is an entire eating disorder recovery space online that has nothing to do with keto, nothing to do with carnivore, nothing to do with any of these low carb diets. Um, And those spaces seem to be more in the realm of like, body acceptance, all foods fit. um, Don't restrict yourself and all these, you know, positive messages. Um, But even, you know, people, some people in in the eating disorder recovery space will say, well, I'm not a moderator, I'm an abstainer. And that goes, again, in the whole realm of food addiction and binge eating disorder. But what it comes down to is if you truly think, if if these people, if these women, if these men, whatever, in any camp—the keto camp, the the carnivore camp, just the eating disorder camp in general—if if anyone thinks that they are a food addict and it was you know manifesting as binge eating, um, there's more work to be done, not just the diet part, like. Sure, you can clean up your diet, you can change lifestyle things, but it requires therapy. It requires, like, real therapy, and, you know, I just I needed to come on here and talk about this because it seems like a lot of people in the binge eating recovery space, food addiction recovery space, they want to talk about food addiction and, and the best way to eat. But that's only one piece of the puzzle. That's not going to rewire your brain. That's not going to help you recover from a full-blown eating disorder just by saying, oh, well, I'm just eliminating all the foods that I binged on. Okay, well, that's taking out the physical aspect of the food that you were binging on, and that's taking it out of the equation so that, yes, you're not going to binge on that food. But what that you know, process is not doing is it's not going deeper into the mind. It's not going deeper into, okay, well, why were you binging? Why were you a food addict? What kind of emotional dysregulation could you not handle? What kind of trauma were you dealing with in your body, in your mind? Um, What kind of emotional dysregulation are you know you going were you going through that manifested as binge eating disorder because let's face it all of these people who are trying to heal their binge eating disorder are they're doing it because they don't want to gain weight and or they want to lose weight so you know speaking from again going into the eating disorder recovery thing it's like people are so okay to talk about You know, I used to have an eating disorder, but um, I think folks with eating disorders should adopt that kind of the humility and, and the mindset of Alcoholics Anonymous that you're always in recovery. You're not just one day fully recovered and your eating disorder is now, you know, a past part of you that has died. It's still very much part of you and energy is is. Energy and memories, it's always going to be there. Um, Again, it's like you can't just take out the food and and expect you to not have an eating disorder anymore. Okay, so I took out all the processed food. No eating disorder anymore. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That makes absolutely no fucking sense. Um, Yeah, sure. For alcoholics, you take out the alcohol. But it doesn't mean that you're not an alcoholic anymore. You know, the alcohol is still down the street. You can still get in your car and go get some alcohol. Um, So I think that's why people on YouTube in the carnivore space, in the food addiction space, they're always talking about this. They're always trying to seek support because guess what? It's hard. Your eating disorder doesn't just go away overnight because you become carnivore or because you're keto or sugar-free or flour-free. You know, it's always going to be part of you because you lived it, and you have the memories of it, and that felt remembering is within your brain and your body, Um, and that's why people get so triggered around the holidays, because the food's around again. Oh my god, there's tons of YouTube videos and um, community videos and, and podcasts about carnivores who are all talking about you know, how how triggering the holidays and New Year's is. It's because they're all freaking out because they're going to be around these foods that they, you know, they're addicted to. But if they would do the work and actually go to therapy, like real therapy, you guys, not sitting on YouTube talking to people. The people in the carnivore space, and look, maybe I'm just throwing shade. Maybe I'm just hateful today, but I'm speaking my truth. These people need to go to therapy, They need to figure out, okay, why am I a food addict? Why do I feel the need to binge? It's not just about the food. It's about something deeper. A lot of these people have control issues, just like folks with OCD and eating disorders, because eating disorders are a control disorder. It's a control issue. Um... So, like, unless people in the carnivore space or the eating disorder recovery space are going to, like, go get their brains burned and electroshock therapy, you know, to burn out those memories from, like, the cells in their brains, you can't just forget about your eating disorder mentalities like that. It's not an overnight thing. It's a lifelong process. And it's still very much a part of you. But, you know, part of recovery is that you choose every day to go against the eating disorder and, and against the deprivation mindset and against the behaviors that are part of your eating disorder. It's a choice to every day commit to doing the best, you know, next thing that you can do for your recovery and continuing to do the work, you know, just like alcoholics keep going to meetings or, you know, alcoholics keep their support system, their program, and alcoholics, you know, they they continue to do the work and they're not just saying, oh, yeah, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. Um, Doesn't work like that at all. So eating disorders require that same kind of humility And a constant effort to be in recovery, a constant effort to choose to go against the grain of the eating disorder. And if um, people are only trying to cover up or recover from an eating disorder by changing what they're eating, that is only one tiny, tiny layer. It requires therapy. It requires deep, deep reflection and a constant, you know, a constant deep effort to rewire and reshape the beliefs of the eating disorder it's not just about going carnivore it's not just about taking out the foods so i just needed to come on here and and talk about this and i hope that um it helped Someone, if, even if it just helps one person who's in recovery by listening to this, my job is done. Um, you know, your recovery is your recovery. It's not linear. It's never going to be linear and it's a lifelong process. All right. So I hope this helped and we will connect soon.